February 5th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome to February, everyone, the month of love, the love month. As always, I'm your host, Alex Main, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Apostoli Everniatis. We are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers who are making an impact, whether that's professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, running leaders. And in today's case, we are talking to a founder of a nonprofit. But we'll jump into that in a second. Apostoli, how are you, good sir? I literally, we do this, I cut you, I'm cutting you off, not even letting you talk. Usually, like... We talk between episodes, but like this might be the first time in like a year that the last time I talked to you was like the last time we recorded. So like I truly have missed you. I've missed you too. These COVID times, man. I keep saying, remember a year ago, you were in the studio face to face, you know, across from each other and those two chairs, same place where we do all the other interviews and uh, we'd, we'd record for about uh, 40 minutes. And then we'd chill for another two hours before, like one hour before, one hour after. And we'd uh, plan how we're going to take over the world. We uh, and, and we had guests too. Like, remember Sarah, Howard, George Herrera, Richard Dodd were like our three lucky guests that we actually interviewed in person before COVID, since COVID. Both. Um, well, everybody was in person. Well, like last year I met. Those were like... The, 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 in, the, in, in 2020 in 2020 yes yeah 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 good times good times but hey we make it work you know, i got a work i got a a memory on my iphone you know you get like those random photo memories and it was like i love that <laughs> it was me sitting across from you in the studio with like two large pizzas folded out <laughs> from like ian's or something <laughs> and i was like oh and then i got in the mood for pizza and now that was yesterday. I'm not in the mood for pizza anymore, but I love pizza for everyone. Did out you there. have pizza? Is that why you're not in the mood anymore? No, that was succumb? just yesterday's feelings. I'm actually in the mood. What are you in the mood for now? Um, this is really riveting conversation, but uh, Frosted Flakes. Christina, I uh, asked her to pick up like a cheat cereal and she picked up Frosted uh, Flakes. <laughs> I found some Frosted Flakes uh, at my parents' place weeks ago and they must have been four years old S still crunchy like <laughs> and if that's not worrying by itself it was just like as if you had just opened the bag i did have some they, i i i it's it's definitely a cheat definitely a cheat so bad for you but they get crunchier so tasty they get so crunchier tasty. with age i like it they do <laughs> that's so gross I, I was reading an article the other day of like the five things you shouldn't eat if you want to be healthy kind of thing and number uh -huh. one was cereal and the other four were like a paragraph explaining why and the cereal was like three paragraphs i'm like this is the worst thing you can put in your body <laughs> well i mean let, let's talk about it a little bit i know this is a running podcast but no, like, nutrition is super important. How many times? Uh, how many times? How many times do we say, "Oh, this is a running podcast," <laughs> and then talk about something else? Like we could talk about whatever we want, man. This is this is this is the greatest this show is, on earth. Is, 
this is our podcast, but yes, uh, the sugar content in cereal is quite, quite worrying. I, I mean, you look at all these organic, uh, healthy looking cereals out there, nature's path, nature's valley, whatever they're called. Um, and you look in the back and the second or third ingredient is organic sugar. And it's, well, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's organic or not. It's still processed sugar is one of the worst things. And it's one of the most addictive things. Uh, it's so hard to find cereal that does not contain uh, that sugar. I think that's part of the reason why they say it's not good for you. Um, I think it's good for you if you find the ones that are like some kind of a granola. What I like to buy is Costco has these uh, this grainless granola with almonds and uh, no sugar. They they only have uh, what is it the real maple syrup, which the body processes very similarly to honey, and honey is really good for you, right? So uh, those are good. And then I add them with some kind of um, wheat squares. They're called, I think, Wheaties would be the Wheaties. equivalent. Wheaties, uh, but but no sugar in them, like the, the plain, not non-frosted kind. And great cereal, some almond mm. beverage. Mm. They call it milk, but I haven't almond. seen any nipples, any nipples on almonds recently. So, <laughs> what a joke! <laughs> what a dad, such a dad joke. <laughs> I don't see any nipples on those almonds. So is it really milk? And speaking of bees, I was listening to a podcast. Speaking of being a dad, you think you think uh, you think there's a reason for that? I don't know. Anyway, what what, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I was listening to a podcast about climate change. About they were talking about climate change, and they were talking about bees and like the impact bees have on on our on our ecosystem. It's cr- kind of crazy. For people who know about it, like I'm not a scientist, so I don't, I didn't retain any of it, but it was kind of crazy listening to and uh, how if bees carry, there's like airborne pathogens that actually like wipe out entire colonies and like really Mm -hmm. easy. And where have we have like a bee, not, there's like not enough bees in certain countries. It's like crazy. Yes. And they're, they're pollinators, right? They pollinate the, the flowers and that's a big thing. And is that what they said in the podcast? Well, like I just said, I didn't retain any of it, but it was really interesting. And if I remembered which podcast it was, I'd love to share it with all of you. But anyway, speaking of food, today's sponsor is our friends over at Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch with two locations here in the greater Milwaukee area, one on in Franklin, 27th and Ryan. That's the OG location. That is my... I guess, is that my favorite location? Maybe. And then they have their new location, which is... <clears throat> officially a year old in Brookfield over on Blue Mound. And it is, mm, the vibes in there are great. But no cereal in there, but healthy, great, delicious options for you. So if you want to get your long run in this weekend and you want to you want to eat something good, you want to carb up, you want to do whatever, you head over to either location. You get some pancakes, you get an omelet, you get a skillet. They have lunch options. They have delicious salads. I've actually been all about the salads lately, trying to be healthy, new me in 2021. So if you want to check out their menu, head over to mimosabreakfast.com and uh, enjoy their breakfast or brunch. They, they, we, we have oatmeal. I will say there's oatmeal. So is that, does that count as cereal? 
No, they're completely different things. It's mushy cereal. Mushy cereal is garbage, and that's like what oatmeal is. But I somewhat sometimes like oatmeal, so there you go. Okay, all right. Fair so, enough. Uh, today mm-hmm. is, right, mm-hmm. we talk about relevant news on the podcast. It is Friday. It is day 50 of my run streak. Wow. Insane. Insane. Three miles, three miles minimum, so you've done 150 at least. 150 miles yeah Oof. and you've done some 10 milers in there yeah yeah so you're you're good, way up there good times good times still feeling good i know we talked about it last week but yeah no injuries still going strong doing all the right things let's go yeah. tell me about those shoes those track those trail shoes that you have oh those nike wild horses beautiful shoe they, they look nice they, they look, look like cool. a teenage what did you what did you call it a teenage mutant ninja turtle shoe? shoe yeah like it's a shoe donatello would wear if he had to wear trail shoes <laughs> donatello is a boss so. yeah and i want to be a boss but speaking of bosses our guest today is a boss a boss lady too you can add that on uh sharon Ganier, the founder and executive director of one hope 27 is joining us and a couple awesome things so one hope 27 is an organization here in milwaukee that focuses um on foster care so foster caring children but also helping mothers get back on their feet and be reunited with their children um you know this is really i'm excited to talk about this i've had a lot of friends who've gone through the foster care system to adopt and i'm really excited to kind of hear what one hope 27 is doing and what's going to be really fun is sharon is a new runner she actually started running during the stay-at-home order last year so she's coming up on her one year anniversary. so excited to jump into that are you excited apostoli super excited it's a it's a subject that i've been interested in more and more lately uh foster care system in milwaukee and in general it's a very complex matter yeah and it's something i'm not an expert in at all i mean just uh sharon shared some numbers with us like a hundred kids a month going to the foster care system in milwaukee it's like that's a lot and then you add up everyone that's already in the foster care system you're like that is a lot of children so Kudos to all you foster care parents out there and everyone who's been able to adopt. I think it's uh, it's super cool, and you guys are awesome. But the cool thing is that Sharon focuses on the parent side of the of the parents that cannot you know, hold down to their kids, and therefore their kids go into the um, they go into those programs. That is the twist that I love the most about this. This story is looking at it from more spherical perspective i love Can't it i want to talk to her about it well do you have anything else you want to talk about or should we just bring bring sharon on and get into it we should we should bring sharon on. all right let's bring her on then today we are joined by sharon ganier the founder that's right the founder and executive director of one hope 27 and what gets me excited is she's a new runner Sharon, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you guys tonight. Yeah, this was great. So Sharon reached out to us, I don't know, was that this year, end of last year? Um, 
and you were really excited. You wanted to come on the show. You know, we, we, it was the first time we met was over email. So we're like new friends here. And I'm excited for this conversation to really kind of get to know you, your journey with running and what you're doing at One Hope 27. Now, everyone listening to this, you're just listening to us. We're all over here over video chat. And Sharon has this awesome Run NK, MKE sweater. And uh, so it's pretty sweet. Shout out to our friends. At, is that from Performance Running Outfitters? It is. And it is by far my favorite sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. I always see that at the store when I go and I'm like, I need to buy that. And then I never do. And then I see someone with it on and I'm like, I should have bought the sweater. I actually walked out of the store last time I was there. I was getting a gift card for Christmas for a friend and got in my car and was like, no, I want it. And walked back in and bought it. That is what I'm talking about. It's the, I've been learning in life here with running that like, I like to buy nice things with running and it's worth it because it's good stuff. And then you can wear it like casually like this and it's, it's sweet. So anyways, I bought a new jacket the other week and I'm really excited about it. So that's, that's my rant with, with gear anyways. So Shran, you're coming up on like a year of being a new runner. So, which is like super exciting. You're a COVID runner. I like, I, <laughs> I I like to say that we had Jeremy Foyette, the uh, co-founder of New on, and he was also a COVID, a COVID runner. So Give us a little background of how, why you started running and how you got into it. Yeah, it's still a little baffling, actually. Um, one of my best friends was living in uh, your, Europe at the time and started running and was talking to me about it every day. And I kept saying, I'm not going to run. I am not a runner. Um, I was that girl in high school that would run once around the track and then walk the rest of the way. I don't know that I've ever run a mile in my life previous to this. Um, just not a runner. And then my oldest son, who is 16, wanted to go running um, while we were under the safer at home order and he didn't drive yet. So I kind of had to drive him to where he was going to go run. I thought, well, I guess I'll give it a try and see what happens. I might as well, if I'm driving you, get out there. And our first time out, I made it a mile and a half without stopping. And it took me, I was going to go back and look and I forgot, but oh, it took me so long. It was not fast. But the fact that I did it without stopping was amazing to me. I felt like I had just completed this feat that I never thought I would be able to do. And... I just kept going out there with him and kept running and wasn't sure that I enjoyed it. Actually, was pretty sure I didn't enjoy it um, <laughs> for a good month. And it wasn't until he, I went to wake him up one morning to go out and run with him and he wouldn't get out of bed. He was like, I, I can't wake up this morning. I'm not going. And I said, well, you're not ruining my run. And I got out there and I said, I guess I'm a runner. <laughs> That's, that's, I love that. So your son was, is he like in cross country and track or what, what got him into running? He, um, he plays soccer and basketball. So he just wanted to kind of stay conditioned while he was stuck at home. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Wow. Look at that. That's the, it's the extra stuff that goes a long way in sports. So kudos to your son. Um, where was that run? That was at Washington park. Nice. Washington Park. Yeah. I, I've, I've only ran there through that park once, and it was during the Milwaukee Marathon, and a tree actually fell down in front of me. Like, 
oh. 50 yards as we were running through the park. It's a crazy story, <laughs> but beautiful park. It beautiful is. Park. Yeah, it is. It's it's not far from our house. And um, it, it was a really nice park in those early days. Now it's kind of hard because you have to run, loop it through several times if you want to get any miles in. But that, it is pretty. That, that's when you know you're a real runner. And then do you, <laughs> do you run to the park now? To get, do you like run there, run and then run back? I don't. I I don't run that one very often anymore. Um, most of the time, so I've got my husband running with me now, and it's just the gift that keeps going, giving, I guess. Um, but most of the time, we do the county park loop in Tosa, and um, then we go th- through the parkway down. You know, we'll run to through Hoyt and Hart Park and Jacobus and then back. So that's, that's a beautiful our run. most typical run. Yeah, it is. I I live over on the east side, but I have a friend who started running and lives in Tosa, and I was out there the other weekend and uh, was running through like um, like the Hoyt Park pool where like the mm-hmm. handsome golf course is, and somehow the Oak Leaf Trail connects there, which like didn't realize. And the next thing you know, we're running like south on the Oak Leaf Trail. It was it was really cool. We, I was lost. I usually don't get lost, but it was it was fun. So. Tulsa is a beautiful area. It so it's I I find that awesome that you're a runner, but that like your son got you into it. I think that's that's like really cool and special. And now you got your husband into it. So really now he can uh it's like a chain effect. So he can get mad at you and then you can get you can blame it on your son for all of you <laughs> running. But so looking back on it now, like coming up on a year of running, like I don't know, like what's your perspective on being a runner or a life, like what, what's, what are some of like the biggest changes for you personally from starting to run? Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've had to tell myself I'm a runner. It was a while before I allowed myself to take on that term. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with this thing. You know, I didn't buy running shoes for a long time. I was running in like Adidas NMDs for a good three, four months. Um, so running shoes are amazing. And that's probably one of my favorite pastimes is going and like going through the whole process and getting fitted for new shoes. It's just amazing. Um, but there's been little things wrong along the way that have shown me, okay, I can claim this title of runner for myself. I remember the first time that I was running and another runner came alongside me on the trail and was asking how far I was going and all of that. We had a little conversation and I came home and I think I said to my husband, I think I'm a runner. <laughs> Same thing when I hit five miles. Um, it was just, it felt like such an accomplishment to me. And then to be able to look back and realize how much your body can grow and the strength that you can get in such a short amount of time to now a five mile run is no big deal. And when I started a mile and a half was the biggest feat I could (laughs) imagine. Um, So all of those changes. And then I'm, it's cliche, but it's almost like I need the run now. I need the mental health release. I need the energy release. Um, I'm definitely a, more pleasant person when I get my morning run in and can start the day off on the right foot. Um, it's, I probably crazy running in the morning. How, how much different you feel. And like how I actually, as when we're recording this, I ran for the first time in the morning 
in like a mo- month. It was, I feel wonderful. I just like <laughs> forget how, like how much it affects your day in a positive way. Right. And that's like the best thing that I feel like you get to experience. There's so many things that come out of it, right? Um, you know, you get to share time with your family outside exercising and all this different stuff. But the the way it improves you every day, I feel like is great because then you radiate that into your life and out onto other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. What, um, so five miles is no big deal. That's awesome. What's, uh, what, have you done any like, not really races, virtual races or what kind of distance have you got to or what kind of accomplishments have you found yourself getting, achieving? Yeah, I, um, you know, I think there's been a lot along the way and I've been trying to be mindful of the process and celebrating the achievements as they build and as they come. Um, so I definitely celebrated that five miles. (laughs) I think I cheered out loud uh, out there (laughs) on the trail. Um, I, the day that my kids went back to school. I was determined to do a half marathon on my own, which I did. Um, and that was a huge accomplishment. Um, naturally we've, as far as virtual races, we did, you know, like a turkey trot at Thanksgiving. Um, and then we are, my husband and I are going to do the Milwaukee half, um, whether it happens or not, <laughs> as far as now they're saying it will, um, in April. So I'm really excited to do that with him. And that's been a great gift of running too, is the time that we spend together running is probably the best time of connection we've ever had. Like it's better than going out on a date. It's better by far than just sitting home and watching TV. It's just this really, um, like, almost like a spiritual connection when you're outside and you're just out there in nature and enjoying it and then taking care of your body and enjoying your time with, you know, the person that you love. It's just, it's been really great. Yes. This, this whole COVID situation has definitely brought us closer with, with our families and uh, the people that we live with. Right. Uh, And also closer to, uh, our bodies and making sure that we work out more and stay fit and active. Uh, so did I did I hear correctly that you ran a half marathon by yourself and now you are also training yeah. for another uh-huh. one? I, I, we did hear because <laughs> you said you mentioned the one one and a half mile was a big um, milestone and then uh, five miles and now thirteen point one uh, is no small feat. It wasn't. <laughs> did you? Did you? It wasn't. It isn't. It right. won't be. But it sounds like you're not. You're not stopping there. So my question is because Alex and I both went through that period of, you know, that first mile, that first five k, ten k, running a half marathon. And then somebody say, "Hey, you should you should uh, train for the Milwaukee marathon for the Lakefront marathon." Um, and that's the challenge. Is what we loved about running as well. Was there anything in your life before running that you applied that kind of attitude? I mean, obviously being a board and being a founder of a nonprofit and that's that relates in, in some way, but can you tell us a little bit about that part of your of yourself? The um nonprofit part or the part of myself that I have to the, pull like the similar energy from running? Uh, yeah, well, the part of yourself that 
wants to wants more and more is good right not not in in a greedy way but the person that pushes for more was that found in running or was that always there that's a great question um I think that's always been there, but I don't know if I've always had the right avenues or the right places to push that, that energy or that drive to, um, you know, certainly you do need drive to start a nonprofit and delete a nonprofit. Um, you know, I've, I have five kids, so that <laughs> takes a lot of drive and, uh, push through and, you know, get through the good, bad and ugly times. Um, but I, I do feel like there's a new part of myself that I found in running. I, not only was I not a runner, I was never athletic. I was in no sports growing up. I was the kid in like the music room all the time. No sports, no no hand-eye coordination, no athletic ability whatsoever. So I feel like the fact that I've unlocked this in myself that I didn't even know was there is been really empowering to learn more about myself through this process of running. And that's why I ask you, uh, Sharon, because myself too, I was not a big athlete was quite clumsy and the good thing about running is that if you if you are clumsy you're probably hurting your own self not somebody else i did break somebody's foot once playing soccer and i oh. kind of stopped after that <laughs> yeah accidentally i was trying to be defensive but i was a little too offensive uh instead but uh but that's how i feel too is that there's a part of me that unlocked and i started seeing many aspects of my life relationships work um just anything that i would put my hands on became sort of better. So I can't wait to see, you know, obviously you've accomplished so much, even with having five kids and being a foster parent on top of that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I can't wait to see what, you know, this new self brings even more. Yeah. So, thank you. Me kudos. too. <laughs> I know you, you've already run a half. So I feel like I can say this. Did you race it or did you, did you like run it just to kind of get the distance? Yeah. Yep, just ran it to get the distance. So it'll be fun. Um, so are you are you like training right now? Then like you have like a training plan and stuff, or like what's going on? Because I, I assume like the it's probably. I mean, it's coming up. So I guess yeah, I, I think we're eleven start. weeks out. Um, oh, so you're definitely on a training program. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, <laughs> it's a loose ish training program, but it's there. <laughs> nice. Uh, what uh this is, what what plan is it or or what did what are you kind of putting together i'm i just took some tools from others that i've read or or friends that have run um half marathons before and kind of put together my own thing so i'm doing cool. um you know a couple of days of weight training and yoga and then i do my you know short fast run i do a uh, couple moderate easy runs, and then I do my long run. So nice, you're already doing the right thing, such as yoga and strength training. That <laughs> we we struggle to do ourselves, but here I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in, plant the seed because someone's already some Patrick did this to us, and Apostoli kind of alluded to this. But if you can run 13 miles, you for sure can run a marathon. So 
And you can see yeah. that if you ran five and you ran 13, 26 <laughs> right. is not that much harder. It's just a couple more weeks of training and a little bit longer runs on the weekend. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how your half marathon goes and where kind of you, where you go from here, because at the end of the day, you can love it, whatever you decide to do with it. And that's the, be- that's the best part. So I kind of want to jump into talking about your nonprofit. So, you know, One Hope 27 um, but I think we need to like go back, go back a little bit before we talk about that. So sure. you, it, it's um, to kind of explain the organization and your like how you got into fostering and kind of give us the give us like the, the the overview of that. Sure. Well, we always say that we got into fostering um, very naively. We. When um, Kevin and I were dating, we always thought, oh, it'd be great to adopt a kid. Let's let's do that. Let's do that down the line. And um, we had some friends that had adopted through foster care and we're just we had them over for dinner one night and we're talking to them and hearing their story and hearing about the process. And it just kind of piqued our interest. And we thought, well, maybe now's the time. Maybe we'll do this. Um, Our. Biological children, so we have two biological children and three that we ended up adopting. Um, but our oldest two boys were just uh, four and not quite two at the time. So fairly little, um, just thought, well, why not add a little more chaos into life? Um, and we started going through the process to, um, at that time, our goal was foster to adopt. So we got licensed simply for that, which um, is the absolute wrong way to go into foster care because the point of the foster care system is not adoption. It's not an adoption agency. The first goal is always to get parent children back with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got placed with this beautiful, bald, screaming baby girl And um, she was our first placement. And the moment she came through our door, she was our girl, even though she was not ours in any way whatsoever. So it kind of caused us to um, push against her parents to almost celebrate their losses and their missteps because we thought it was one step closer to forever with our girl. And um, it wasn't until her younger brother was born and we went to go visit mom and see baby in the hospital. And I found out that nobody showed up for her. So she gave birth to a baby all by herself that she probably wasn't going to be able to take home. And it was the first time that I saw the humanity in her and stopped looking at her as a villain and stopped fighting against her and realized that you're you're hurting like you don't have anybody in your corner you don't really know what love is you don't have a family around you why have i been pushing against you when i can you know bring my family alongside you so that was our goal from there on out and we had an uphill battle with that because we had been fighting against her um and the just the more we got involved in foster care, the more we opened our hearts and our home. Uh, we ended up opening our license to 
short-term emergency placements. Um, you know, I, there's one little girl that came to us at like 1230 at night. Kids were all in bed. They woke up in the morning and there was a new, you know, person in our family. Um, we, but every child, every family connected to them that we met through foster care just opened our eyes more and help us to see what we didn't know and experience ourselves, and um, you know when we know better, we do better. So we founded One Hope Twenty Seven really initially with the intent to recruit more foster parents, so we could have you know a big pool of quality foster parents, and then support them because we were in the thick of it and we knew how challenging the work could be. But again, the more that we went through the process, the more that we saw other families and other kids, the more um, we understood the brokenness of the system and wanted to be about families being able to stay together or get back together more than being separated forever. So we've started doing a lot of um, support things for kids and families and we're actually working on opening a support home for young moms to help them in quicker and more successful reunifications. So that's um, a long answer to your question, but really where we're at. It's so eye-opening to hear these things. It's, we all hear about the foster care program. And actually, when, when, you, when you and Alex were talking back and forth uh, on the email chain about, you know, what we would be talking about and you sent us a few links i started with the the link to one hope 27 which shows a video it's the introduction of with a video of a young lady that was not able to keep her uh, child and the story that you know the problems that it leads to the personal you know the relationship that you have with yourself if you can't you know you carry a child for nine months and then uh are not able to make that make ends meet uh you know, you rarely hear that story. And then contrast that to the series, great series, by the way, by 88.9 Radio Milwaukee put together about a few different stories, mostly about children and some adopted parents. But even after six episodes of that miniseries, I didn't see anything regarding the parents that are on the other side. And and yes, one of the parents on on that uh, series was talking about um, one of the adopted parents said, "Well, um, you know, there are people too, and we don't want to vilify them either." But is it my um, lack of knowledge on the subject matter, or, or is it true that society as a whole is mostly geared towards the child, and is that part of the problem? I mean. You did talk about it a little bit, but to me, it's I, I never knew why the foster care program is so overwhelmed with children. So how 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 are we standing compared to the rest of the world? Yeah, um, you know, I think that obviously numbers are different based on the size of the city that you're in. Um, Milwaukee, there, or in, in Wisconsin, there's about 7,000 children in care. The highest population of that is definitely in Milwaukee. Um, 
there, you know, to answer your questions, there are just, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> um, there is definitely that stigma that parents did something wrong and that's why their kids are in care. And while that may be true, um, the majority of kids are in care because of neglect. So it's either abuse or neglect, the majority of them because of neglect. And, you know, we think about, there's a mom that, you know, I like to tell the story of, She's a young single mom. She's missed work because her child's been sick for a week. Her boss is saying, if you don't come into work, you're losing your job. But she's got no one to take care of her child. So does she leave her child home alone so that she can provide for them and go to work? Or does she stay home with her child and lose her job and not be able to provide for her child? I mean, it's just some of these impossible situations that our parents find themselves in. And it's just such a cyclical process. Like most, all of, all of, I can say definitely all of the parents that we worked with as foster parents had some experience with foster care as a child themselves. And so if we don't ever do anything to break that cycle, then it's just going to continue. That just gave me goosebumps all over because that was my next question of how much is this cyclical? And it, it makes sense that it absolutely is. It, it So breaking that down and seeing stories, seeing some of the success stories, can you tell us, um, can you share with us a story? I mean, obviously we hear the, the bad ones or the, the sad stories do prompt people to feel more empathetic towards um, these issues, but... The success stories too. I love hearing. How has this? Are there any that you can share with us? Yeah, um, there. Well, I, there are a couple. There's one that I want to share that doesn't relate to parents, but I think it's really powerful. Um, the little girl that I mentioned that came to us at midnight one night. She was part of a sibling group of four. And that's another reality of foster care is that siblings get split up. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, the thought of, you know, if that was my kids and something happened to us and we didn't have a plan for somewhere for them to go and they go into the system and would not be able to be together, it's just I heartbreaking. I can't think of anything worse as a parent for your kids to have to go through. And we don't think about that. We think, oh, a family is welcoming a child into their home and that's an exciting day. And for that family, it is. But for that child, it's the worst day of their life. It doesn't matter what happened in their home. It doesn't matter you know, if they were abused or neglected or to what extent. That's their parents. That's their home, their stuffed animals, their pets, their siblings. They're being removed from all of that and placed in a stranger's home. And so anyway, this little girl was part of a sibling group before they had been working all day to try to find a placement to keep them together and they weren't able to do that. So they started trying to then divide them and they found a place for the oldest two girls and then the younger two girls needed a place to go. And they called us about the youngest and I said, and I mean, there's technical issues too. Our license was actually full at the time and they had to amend it for us to take this little girl. 
but I, and we didn't have the square footage for her sister to come. And I said, let her sleep on my sofa so that they don't, you know, so they're not separated, but there are codes and things that that can't be done. So they started dropping off the sisters one by one. And the one that came to us, she was the last one to be dropped off. 18 months old in a van, watching her sisters be dropped off one by one, you know, middle of the night, just terrified. And um, she was terrified of everything, just absolutely everything. The doorbell would ring. She's hiding in the corner. Our little tiny white fluffy dog would walk into the room and she's just screaming, um, just any kind of unexpected noise or bump or anything, terrified. And her sister next in line had a very significant speech delay. So she wasn't really talking. And uh, we had them in these separate foster homes for about five months. We were well connected with the other family. We would get them together. Um, Eventually, it was clear that they weren't going to be able to go home and uh, so they needed an adoptive resource. And we really had a hard time saying goodbye to her. I mean, it's heartbreaking to have to say goodbye to a child that you've loved in your home. Um, but she ended up being able to move in with her sister. And when that happened, this little girl wasn't scared of anything anymore. And her sister started talking. And it was just that visual of confirmation of how much they needed each other. Um, So that, even though, you know, it's a roundabout way and has nothing to do with parents, that I see as a huge success story. And they're both still doing really well. We keep in touch with them. Um, As far as a success story with some parents is we had uh, another foster family that we worked with who did a fantastic job of connecting with the biological parents of the kids in their care. And they ended up helping them get into an apartment that was very close to their house and more or less co-parenting with them. So the children were able to return home to their parents and this foster family stayed involved in their life as far as, um, you know, taking them to daycare and helping them get to school activities and having family meals together. And that to me is the most beautiful picture of what this thing could look like. Yeah. Those are, those are both really great. Those are both really great stories. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. There's so many emotions with this, you know, and it almost depends what side you're coming from at it on. Like you're happy, you're sad, right? You know, if you're if you're you're adopting, it's like this is wonderful, right? This is a wonderful opportunity. But then at the same time, it's like like you were just saying with the girls, like it is so frightening and scary, especially if it's like an emergency in the middle of the night. You know, you want you want to make sure the kids do get back with their parents, but also like if you're fostering them you know, and you want to adopt, like, it's just, it's all these different motives and everything. And, and it's, it's hard to wrap even my brain around even thinking about it and knowing friends who went through the process and, you know, seeing, seeing that or hearing about it. So I, how, like, how do you see One Hope 27 and your support home, like bridging this gap and making this more of like a smooth 
process, and I know the smooth process is probably the wrong way to put it, but like with the story where you said where, you know, you have like this co-parenting going on with these families and that's like a good situation. Like I would say that sounds like a great situation where, you know, people can be involved. You know, the kids are probably in a better situation than they were before. Uh, so yeah, what kind of, what have you done with the like organization and where do you kind of see it going here and like tying Milwaukee together? Yeah. Um, you know, it's messy and it's going to be messy no matter what. I think when we're dealing with hurting people and you put yourself in the middle of that, it's always going to be messy. And that's just the reality of it. Um, but that kind of co-parenting model is something we're really working to, um, encourage. So in our home, we will have family dinners where, you know, the foster family can come with their kiddo and have dinner with mom, um, you know, family nights and activities and group activities. We're going to have a hair salon in there, which is a big deal because when you have a child that comes to you um, with a different ethnic hair, you know, texture than you have, um, there's a big learning curve. And um, so to be able to have their mom's actually be the ones to teach us how to do their hair as a foster parent. I actually had a mom who um, would style her daughter's hair on visits and I was so grateful and she taught me so much about how to care for it. And, you know, it's just a natural way for a mom to connect with her child as well. Um, So there'll be a lot of that. There will be the biggest part of this is the built-in support because that's what we're seeing is with the, you know, cyclical nature of foster care, then a lot of the moms coming into care just aren't having the family support built in place that they need to be able to succeed. And we'll have a mentorship program, life skills classes, a social worker, uh, help making sure that our moms are meeting all their goals. We will actually physically drive them to their appointments because sometimes it takes two hours on the bus line to get to Mm -hmm. an appointment. And that's a big deterrent. Um, There is a lot that is asked of parents when they are working towards reunification with their children. And I don't even know as a relatively healthy and whole, well-supported adult, I don't know how I would do it. I mean, it's holding down a job and safe, stable housing and visits with your child and court dates and parenting classes and AODA services and mental health screens and, and the list goes on. It's quite a bit. So to be able to be that physical support and getting them there and, you know, helping them navigate the schedules of all that is a large part um, up until now, One Hope has focused quite a bit on the children. So we have um, we've done job readiness fairs for youth in care. We've done a wish program that were things um, above and beyond what a foster family maybe could provide, like a specialty camp, bikes, lots of computers, things like that. Um, and then we have a big project, which is placement bags for kids entering care, because Typically, they will come to the foster home with only the clothes that they are wearing. And as said before, it could be 12 o'clock at night. Um, So our bags give them a new set of pajamas, a new outfit, socks, undergarments, um, 
diapers, you know, age appropriate toiletries, a little book, a little toy to get them through that first day and night. And we provide an average of a hundred of those to the division each month um, because that's the average of kids entering care in Milwaukee County. I was just going to bring that up. Hey, that's, it's like the little things can go a long ways. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a laptop's awesome, but even just like the, the transition bag like that, that's so cool. But a hundred kids a month go into foster care. And that's on top of the kids that are already in the system, right? Correct. Up a soul, you talked about this and in the, that eight, eight, nine um, video series, just like that starts adding up and compounding. And that's a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. And, you know, you might not think a hundred is a lot, but that is a lot of children every month that are getting split up from their parents and getting and looking for someone to put into in, into their home. And I don't like how how does our how does Milwaukee handle that? Are we do we handle it well? Are we really struggling with that as a city? Um, well, you know, everything's a little different right now uh, because of COVID. So those numbers are actually reduced. I don't have a a current number of the amount of kids that have come in in the last year. Um, what I can say is our bags are still being used. So when I go to deliver new ones, the those are gone. So I know that kids are still coming into care, um, but just without being in-person school, a lot of those mandatory reporters haven't, mm-hmm. you know, had eyes on the kids um, for better or worse. You know, there's certainly kids that need to come into care that don't sometimes and kids that maybe didn't need to come into care that do. And that's just when we're dealing with humans, there's error involved in things. Um, But yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that the agencies in Milwaukee have been working on putting into place to care for the kids and the families connected to them better. And I'm encouraged to see that there are so many people working together to try to not just put a Band-Aid on the problem of the kids coming into care, but in trying to figure out what we can do to help families stay together and get back together. That's that's very sad because you see the numbers. That's why sometimes just looking at data alone is not enough. Just taking it back a little bit to what you said about how the eyes of the people that typically do report, if I'm understanding correctly, typically it's teachers, people um, you know that see the kids outside their home that communicate to the foster care programs that this needs to the social workers, right? Is that the chain of command? Like somebody reports something to a social worker and then they take it from there and investigate it. But that's extremely um, frightening that that's happening right now. But also, how about from the receiving end of parents accepting kids to their into their homes? Have you seen any hesitation because of the fear of spreading COVID within their household? Has that been an issue at all, do you think? No, not that I've seen. Um, you know, foster parents get a bad rap, but they're some of the best people that I've ever met. Um, they are very giving of themselves um, and generally very unselfish people. So I haven't, I'm not aware and haven't seen there been a 
huge decrease in the pool of foster parents being available for kids that come into care right now. And did I hear correctly? You said that foster parents get a bad rap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that can you, can you expand (laughs) on that a little bit? Not, not trying to spread the bad rumors, but. Well, you know, there's always the, um, it's always the negative that hits the news. So you get those stories about, you know, foster parents that may have mistreated the children in their care, or there's a big misconception that foster parents are doing it because they get money for the kids. And while there is a stipend for the children, that's for things like clothing for them and, you know, diapers and formula. It's not, nobody is making money off of being a foster parent. So it's some of those kind of things. If you, if you were making money off a foster parent, that would be like a Buzzfeed, like 2020, (laughs) how to make money as a, (laughs) not at your job, but that, that, that was making a joke of something that's not a joke, but yeah, you do hear that the uh, foster parents getting a bad rap and, and that's, that's a shame because I know people who are foster parents and they're wonderful and to to open your door to someone that is not a part of your, like a biological family member. I mean, that's not easy to do and it's easy. It's hard to do and you have to be a very loving person and open. So kudos to everyone out there. I, I guess for our listeners, who kind of want to learn more. Um, I guess I don't know if, if the question is, is like, how can people get involved or how do people get educated or how can people like support, support maybe, maybe they're not ready to adopt but want to support foster families or the system. Like what can people do in our community to kind of get involved in this? Yeah, absolutely. If you know a foster parent, ask them what you can do to help. Or you know what, better yet, don't even ask because foster parents don't like to put the spotlight on them and tell you what they need. Just go over there with a meal because they will need it. Um, it's That's one of the biggest blessings is having somebody show up with a meal you don't have to prepare or coffee or diapers you don't have to buy or formula. Um, so just just show up with some, some supplies if you know a foster parent. Um, ask about being um, a resource for them for babysitting or respite so that they can get a break. It's really hard for foster parents to leave the children with somebody else because of all of the trauma that's just involved in what they've been through. Um, There's a lot of specialized care that can be needed sometimes And um, our kids need to have people that they can trust. So if you have someone in your circle that is fostering, be that person for them because it's so needed. And it is, I mean, I always look at it as an an entire community thing. It's not meant to just be uh, a couple or a family or even a single person fostering. It's meant to be the community taking care of our kids because these are our kids. So let's, you know, come around them and support any way we can. Um, as far as one hope, we can always use donations for our placement bags and uh, you can find information about that on our website, onehope27.org. Um, We are shopping for property for a home right now, which is super exciting and super challenging because um, we're having 
a little trouble finding places that aren't occupied and we will not evict anyone. So um, that's, that's putting some challenges in our path. But mm-hmm. I say in faith that we will have a property in the next several months and that's going to be all hands deck on um, all hands on deck time of people coming in and helping us paint and decorate and you know do little projects around the house getting ready. So we will be blasting about that on all of our social media outlets uh, when the time comes. We'll be happy to mention it here on the show. And if anybody wants to volunteer, we'll yeah, be. If you have any we'll skills ser- or trades out there and you want to help, I think. I think this is a great way to get involved. And it could be, a, it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Are Absolutely. you guys looking for like, an existing house or like a commercial building or like what, like what kind I'm trying to envision what this is. Yeah. Ideally we would like, um, like a six family unit building, Mm -hmm. um, because Mm -hmm. there are issues of, um, women living together whose children are not in their care. So as we're going through the process, Mm -hmm. um, you know, first they won't be in their care, then they'll be doing overnight visits and they need a space of their own and then they'll be reunified and we want to have a place for them to be able to stay if they still need a place to stay. And so those have to be separate from the rest just because of, you know, different mm-hmm. legal issues. Um, so that that's ideal. It's looking unlikely at this point. So we might have to come up with a, a plan B, which we're talking to our realtor about right now, but it's exciting to be at this point. Well, we'll if get there. If anyone has a solution to this, <laughs> I think Sharon and One Hope 27 would be excited for you to reach out. Absolutely. Um, no, this is exciting. I'm excited for uh, when you guys do figure out a space to get kind of get everything up and going. And that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. And that's, it, it's it's gonna make it's gonna mean a lot to our like our our families, our kids, and our community. So I want to just mm-hmm. say thank you for everything you have done, and it's incredible. We'll link. Uh, we keep talking about this eighty eight nine video, so we'll link to it in the show notes and on our website and on our social. But uh, it was a really great six part series. Yeah, um, it was that everyone should go watch. But so before we go, we have to do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. Are you ready for these? I think so. Okay. <laughs> So I, I was, I, I, I did last week's, so I was like, I was on another podcast. If anyone was listening and I asked Apostoli if we could kind of skip them. Cause I, I've been doing this for two years and I don't even have answers to these. So don't feel <laughs> nervous. All right. What is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Um, well, I think I love the lakefront. I don't do the lakefront enough and I'm going to say that's my favorite. Ooh, always solid. Can't go wrong with that. Okay, if you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah, um, I've been thinking about this one, and it's a bit of a toss-up. I take either one of them. Um, none other than Michelle Obama or Brene Brown. Wow, that you're you're the second one, not to. Not to answer the question with Renee Brown, but definitely a big fan of Renee Brown was uh, Stephen Lease on a previous episode, just a few weeks ago. I heard CEO that one. of yep. Gooder. Yeah, he has a great podcast. Dude talks a lot about Renee Brown. So yeah, we if they both came to Milwaukee, that would just be and you could be sandwiched between them on a run. That would be wonderful. Uh, it'd be amazing. I mean, they'd probably be way ahead of me, but I'd be there. <laughs> 
That'd be a blast. Well, so they have to stick with you because they don't know they don't they wouldn't know the route, so they would need you there. True. So that would be perfect. True. All right. What is your favorite pre-race pump-up song? Oh, anything Beyonce. Always Beyonce. Um, probably get me bodied. <laughs> I I feel like I'm blanking on knowing that one, but I I feel like I know that one. That's a good one. Okay. I'm going to turn that on very loud after we have this interview. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Okay, Apostoli, you want to take the last couple here? This sure. Is your favorite um, one. Yes, books. We we love to read books and we love to recommend books. Any books that have helped you with running, but since you're so new to running, any book that you would like our listeners to check out right now? Yeah, I have to say I have not read any running books yet. Um, so I... I'll have to get on to that. I know I want to read um, Catherine Schweitzer's book. So that's in my Amazon cart right now. Have not read it yet. Um, but we'll circle back to Brene Brown. Braving the Wilderness was a life-changing book for me. So I would recommend that one. I haven't read that one. Definitely will check it out. And uh, regarding Catherine Switzer, we had uh, the director of the Girls on the Run, I think, I'm not. I know you're busy, but I know a lot of young women would love to have you as a as a uh, what was the word, uh, Alex? Coach? Not not coach. They call them running buddies. Running buddies. I think. I. How about a co- collaboration between the foster care system and the girls on the run? That would be. That would be. That would be a great. Anyway, I'm not. <laughs> We'll we'll see if that could happen. But um, what is a favorite piece of gear that you would that you love to take on your runs? Um, I really like my Nathan backpack water bottle thing, um, or my headphones. Yeah, I I'll do my short runs like a mindfulness run, but for my longer ones, I got to have my music. So nice. I I know this is the rapid fire question, but you just I, there's so many follow up questions we constantly want to ask you. And Alex and I we have this like little chat where we say, okay, you go, and we we've been fighting about who's going to ask what mindfulness run. Can you tell us a little bit wh- why do you use that term? Because we have talked about mindfulness runs before. Yeah, well, I can thank my therapist for that. Um, <laughs> but no, I. On my shorter runs, I go out and I go without music and, um, you know, I just try to be really present in the moment and feel the wind on my skin, hear the things that I'm, you know, the noises, the birds, the wind, the cars, whatever it is that I'm hearing around me. That's why I really like going by the lakefront to hear the water. Um, I try to smell what's going on around me and just like listen to my stride and all of the things that ground me. <laughs> wow. That's speaking like a true running expert. Well, hey. <laughs> no, I love that. I, I, I've, I've talked about this, but I, it's something I, at runners, you can just like, it's just in the background and you don't pay attention to it. Right. But when you really do, it really can change your focus and appreciation for everything in that moment. So mm-hmm. I've been getting better at it, but it sounds like you are doing very good at it. So keep it up. I appreciate that. 
Thanks. All right. I guess I'll take the last one off the because you're not you're what I, I, is, you're not reading the chat. I told you to. Oh, talking about the chat that I'm not reading the chat. Okay. So since you are new, this is perfect. What is one piece of advice you would like to pass on to a fellow new runner? Oh, um, well, always know where there's a bathroom because you never know. <laughs> Sometimes it just hits. Um, but that I would is say so true. That has right? never been said, but that cannot be true. <laughs> like know where the bathroom stops are in a run in case you have to. Yes, especially mm-hmm. in the, if you're doing morning runs because. You never know what's going on in the morning with your body. Right, right. Yep, I've learned that. Um, (laughs) But in all seriousness, um, I would say to take it a step at a time and to enjoy the process and not sell yourself short if you're not where somebody else is. Really, like, don't compare yourself to anyone else. This is not their run. It's your run. And enjoy it and allow yourself to consider yourself a runner because if you get out there and run you are a runner and you know let yourself take pride in that yes I love. you that. don't need somebody to come and tell you hey like run your side right, right. is that how you felt like a runner when somebody came to talk to you that was you one of the times yes that, uh-huh. yes <laughs> but you have you, you were a runner from day one yes i agree with that i love it i love it okay so where can people find more about One Hope 27? Well, you can visit our website, uh, which is onehope27.org. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, not very much, but same name, One Hope 27. Um, we're also going to be doing our first annual Mother's Day 5K this year. So stay tuned for details on that. Um, calling it run like a mother because what better name and um, yeah you can reach out to us on any of those outlets and we'd be glad to answer any questions and get you plugged in either with us or with foster care in any way we can I love it I'm excited for this run is it is it going to be virtual it will be yeah Mm -hmm. nice I'm excited for that um, Me too. I can. Can I do it even though I'm not a mother? <laughs> you can. The idea is um, to kind of run with your mother or for your mother. Um, so yeah, there we will be getting some details up about that real soon. Well, that's perfect, and you can see that from us as well on our channels when that goes live for you to register. So, Sharon, thank you so much. This was a very awesome conversation it helped us get to know the foster care community right here in our community and thank you for everything you do and welcome to the running club (laughs) thank you so much thanks for having me wow what something i did not know a lot about the foster care system and that that is so cool what sharon and her organization is doing and all you foster care parents out there it's absolutely amazing and uh, again, you guys should go check out the 88.9 documentary. It is linked in the show notes on this episode. Wherever you're listening to it, you should be able to click. It's a six-part series. And um, I know it didn't talk about like the mother's side of it, you know, and like what One Hope 27 does, but you know, Sharon and her family's in it, and it was a really good, it was just a really good piece. And Sharon, thank you for being on the show. You are amazing. And kudos to you to becoming a runner and actually saying you're a runner. That makes me happy because some people don't. Like Vince Ventrano didn't say he was a runner. 
even though he was a runner. <laughs> or is a runner, I should say. I think Vince is saying that he's not a runner because he doesn't want his father to make him be a track coach or a track, <laughs> track star all his life across country. That's super cool. I wish I knew. I, I wish I was like handy because I would like love once they found their support home location, like be able to be like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I, I can't do anything. So. But maybe I can help move some stuff. Yes. We'll be doing that. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm in on that. I can help out for there. Maybe I can learn how to like do some sort of trade. I can Didn't paint. Didn't you replace the faucet at your house? I did. Okay, I did. I can do plumbing. I'm a plumber. So if you need a plumber, Sharon, just text me. <laughs> just don't call back if anything leaks. Yeah. Oh, there's no warranty on my work. It, it is what it is. If you say it looks good and I leave, that's it. That's all you get from me. <laughs> no, that was, that was super awesome. So if you guys... Um, you know, you want to donate, you want to help out, you want to learn more, head over to onehope27.org and uh, check out everything they are doing. Uh, looking at some shout outs this week, we have a lot of fun shout outs. So first of all, if you're listening to this and it's Friday morning and it's not Friday evening, the Girls on the Run Slipper Soiree is happening this evening. I'm signed up for it. We got, we're having our food dropped off today. Super excited for it. We're going to put our slippers on and um, enjoy the uh, Girls on the Run Slipper Soiree. So that's going to be a blast. If you listen have to this on it's Saturday, uh, again, it's, this is a timely podcast. I'll also, huge, huge news. Dude, Fear MKE, one of our favorite running groups in town. Shout out to Tania. Shout out to Renell. Shout out to... Um, Mandela, all past guests of the show, uh, they had an awesome video segment on the Today Show this week, and uh, it was it was it was so good. It was like really well produced too. Like that was cool that they got to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is very oh, it's so cool. They're doing awesome things. I love them so much. The Badgerland Striders. Couple announcements here for Badgerland. The Lakefront Marathon registration has opened up you can officially sign up for this fall's marathon and which is pretty cool is if you register now you get uh instead of like you know just like a long sleeve they're doing like puff puff jackets puffy jackets puffer jackets what's like the technical term for that they're sweet go check it out on their website when you register you can see it it's definitely worth the price of registration i think they say that so uh at the end of the day you can buy the insurance it's a couple bucks if you're worried about it if not you can come over uh whitefish bay and we can all do it virtually together happy to do that we did it last year we figured it out we'll do it again if it has to but support your local race also badgerland right now to help you run through the winter has their 100 miles in 100 days so this already started but you can still register so from january 23rd to may 2nd if you run 100 miles doesn't have to be a streak just 100 miles you uh, can get a hoodie or a quarter zip of your choice. It's free to enter, so they want to keep you motivated, and we want to spread the good word on, because I wouldn't mind a quarter zip or a hoodie if I run 100 miles. So get on that. Speaking of races, speaking of the spring, the Milwaukee MKE Marathon is April 10th. That's kind of crazy, because you're like, April, and it's like barely February, but it's only nine weeks away. So if you want to run a half marathon, marathon, I'm not sure what else they have um, off the top of my head, you should go register for that. Anyone who's training for it, 
good luck. I'm excited for you. I know Sharon and her husband are training for it, so they're going to crush it, and I hope you crush it as well. You have anything else, Apostoli? No, I think you covered everything, Alex. This was like, we haven't had like this many announcements in like, since like before COVID, I feel. This is great. It, it's definitely, the, the landscape is starting to change for sure. I'm out in California right now and they just released the uh, stay at home order that was lifted. And already you're seeing just hustle and bustle out in the streets and uh, San Francisco is lively again everybody's wearing masks and everybody's obeying the the rules but the different uh, it's a different world again and i think we're gonna start seeing that in the running world and this podcast can become relevant again every week we'll be talking about uh, <laughs> just like this the own show man we are relevant because if you're listening to it you realize that hey the slipper soirees tonight i need to get on that and you can celebrate my are. 50th day running in a row too but Come on, let's be real. When we first started the weekly rundown, every week we would talk for 15, 20 minutes about races, races. and what's coming up Finish and it. what's happening. And yeah, so we, we're looking forward to that too, but we're bringing some great stories to you. We'll be back. Can't wait. We adjust. That's what CCP is all about. That's what it stands for. We adjust. And that's what runners do. You adjust on your run, you adjust your workout, but no matter what, you keep running towards that finish line. Boom, that's inspiration, and we're going to end it on that note. Until next Friday, keep on running.